Um, welcome to the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. We are now officially live. Of course, we know it takes a minute or so to roll over um, on our pages. We are streaming live tonight on um, the Dope Muslim Woman podcast Facebook page as well as um, our YouTube page um, tonight. So please, um, as you guys come in, I want you to share the podcast and make sure you give your salams. Giving your salams, the barakas just kept in this dialogue and we make it a personal conversation. So it's really important that we exchange those salams. Assalamu alaikum, Veronique and Sister Stacy. Thank you for joining us. Again, um, this is your girl, Sabria Mills, your host of the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. And today we are here for a very important topic. I've been waiting all season long um, for this particular topic. We are in season three, um, series two, Heal Thyself, Heal Thy Community. And tonight we're going to talk about masculinity, prophetic masculinity versus toxic masculinity. Um, and we can't wait to delve into this topic. I wanted to first give honor and thanks to my lovely co-host, Sister Ziada Dean, who's back with us. Assalamualaikum, sis. Waalaikum salam. Thank you so much. I'm always honored to be on the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. And I look forward to our discussion this evening. Absolutely, mashallah. Um, Waalaikum salam, brother Malik, Vincent, Layla, Sheila. Thank you guys for being here and participating. Um, Sister Ziada, my co-host, um, just as a reminder, she is um, a woman of her own right. She is the owner of Hair by Ziada, which can be found on Facebook and Instagram. And she is an author of the book, Natural Guide to More Tresses, Less Stresses. She specializes in um, black hair, um, hair care for black women. Um, and um, please make sure you check her out. So thank you guys for being here. And um, mashallah, so I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our brothers. One of the beautiful things about this particular podcast is that we're having, um, I think somebody might be playing me in the background. I could hear a little echo. I don't know who it is, but <laughs> um, you could just turn on your volume. But um, we are joined with this conversation with our guests, our brothers. Um, I always feel honored when I'm able to engage our brothers in an authentic, honest dialogue. We will be having an adult conversation tonight. So just FYI to um, those watching. Um, it will be an adult conversation, um, but I'm going to go ahead and introduce our brothers. So I'm going to start with our returning guests. Uh, mashallah, I personally requested his brother on this podcast um, because um, of the level of authenticity um, that um, he has, and I'm just so grateful to have him back. But this brother is a poet. He's an artist. He's an author of three amazing books. One of his most popular books is called Her Justice, which can be found on Amazon. It's a very popular book. Um, and he is in the midst of releasing Her Justice 2 later on this month. And he is a humble father and a husband. And he's been in this game for a pretty long time. Welcome to the show, Brother Nashi Jackson. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Again, actually. I thought yeah. last time, I thought I blew it last time. No. <laughs> <laughs> we were coming. We love, we love the look, brother. We love the look tonight. I got the books in the background. We ready. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Anything, right now I'm ready, but you know. Anything, anything could happen. Anything could happen. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah, welcome, brother. Alhamdulillah, I'm humbled to be joined with this brother. Um, he is a brother that has studied Arabic and Tajweed with various scholars in Cairo, Egypt. 
Um, following his studies in Arabic and Tajweed, he also studied in Tareen Yemen. Um, he studied at Dar al Mustafa Islamic Seminary under Habib Umar. And he studied one, a one year intensive in Islamic studies in theology, spirituality, Islamic law, hadith, methodology, and dawah. He's also traveled to um, Tanzania, Africa in 2017. And he worked as a consultant for a to a rural village and created a program for personal discovery and development for both Christian and Muslim children and young adults. This brother here also has a bachelor's degree in psychology and he's completing his master's in legal studies with a concentration in conflict resolution in law school at the Washington, Washington University in St. Louis. Um, and for the past three years, he's been a case manager for survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault, and sex trafficking in New York City. He's also a father and a husband. Welcome to the show, Brother Sally Clemens. Assalamu alaikum. How are you? Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I'm good. I'm here. <laughs> it's good to that be here. Mashallah, Allah bless you. Yeah, no, you didn't have to do all that. Mashallah. <laughs> <laughs> I need I to get my game up I tried to summarize it too. I was like, I cut it down. Mashallah, tabarakallah. Well, thank Mashallah. you, brothers, for being here and um, being willing to just be open and honest about this topic. I don't want to keep it real with you guys. You know, when I posted the advertisement for this podcast, you know, I got a couple of little angry messages from my dear brothers always. Mm. Um, and they said, actually, they felt like they felt disrespected by the topic. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. So yes, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> That's where we start. Ty, this idea of um <laughs> I hope they're watching tonight. I hope they're watching. Uh, they are. They are. Good, good, good. Um, they are. They are. Yeah. Just so they can comment. <laughs> okay. So toxic masculinity. Um, some, you know, there it's it's a term that's pretty polar. I personally don't use the term, um, but it is a term out there and it does have a definition. So when we talk about um toxic masculinity. And the concept of that, we're talking about their specific traits that are indicated if you kind of just out there in American culture. And it's the idea of there's an overexertion um, that manhood is represented by aggression, um, sex, sexual aggression and control, the suppression, the suppression of emotions, hyper competitiveness, the need to dominate or control others, um, a tendency towards a glorification of violence a sense of low empathy, entitlement, and chauvinism. Um, these are some of the traits indicated and listed here. I wanted to start right here with this definition as you guys as men define masculinity um, and even this concept of toxic masculinity. What are some of your thoughts about this? And let's start with Brother Solly, if that's okay. Inshallah, if it's okay, I'd rather start with my elder, inshallah. I can't, I can't start before him. This is like... <laughs> So, um, I, I agree. I mean, all when you think about uh, not not just toxic masculinity, all those things that you said, I, that's how it's um, defined. Um, overexertion, um, of wanting to handle and be in control of everything that's happening. Uh, yeah, that's, that's toxic masculinity. But for me, um, masculinity isn't that it isn't that I'm, I, my manhood doesn't protrude. I look at some dudes and I'd be like, wow, that's a man right there, you know, but I can't compare myself to him. That's what works for him. My manhood is more of a smooth, 
you know, passive type dude. You know what I mean? And it works for me. It works for my family. Um, so I think you have to do, you have to define masculinity for yourself. Of course, mm. you have to define masculinity for yourself. Yeah, that's that's my take on that. Hmm. Now you said passiveness. I just yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. What yeah. Do you I mean, mean by that? as far as as far as not uh, not wanting to combat everything that happens, not wanting to uh, sometimes sometimes it's good to just let something happen and see where it goes. You know what I'm saying? Um, passive like that, like. I don't want to, I don't, I don't, what you, they say you pick your battles. Yeah, yeah. I pick my battles. I pick my battles. I don't have yeah. to be in control of everything, I, even though I want to be, and I try to be, but not, not in a uh, aggressive way. Not, not that way. Mm -hmm. I, I'm kind of like laid, I'm more laid back. Your brother Sally. Yeah. Um, I don't see why people have a problem with the term because it's absolutely true there is a toxicness that can come to our masculinity. I really like what um, uh, Brother Nasheed, right? Yes. Yeah, I really like what the brother mentioned about, you know, defining masculinity for yourselves. Because I think something that is what makes masculinity toxic is when you get outside yourself and you try to fulfill some kind of archetype, some kind of caricature of what you envision masculinity should be as opposed to dealing with it with who you are. Who you are, maybe right. you are, Maybe you are a little bit more passive. Maybe you are a little bit more aggressive, whatever like that. And then the prophetic part, that'll, inshallah, that, that comes later within on how, you know, how these things get balanced. But I mean, we know, even know from our deen, this deen is this religion, it's a middle path. Everything has a balance, everything has a mean. And so you go too, too far one way, it's extreme in one regard. You go too far in another way, it's extreme in a different regard. Mm. And so toxic masculinity doesn't just mean for me, at least, it doesn't just mean that you're just extreme towards the right and that you're just some overbearing, you're overbearing, you're too aggressive, you're, you know, sexual conquest, et cetera, like that. Yes, that is talk to masculinity. We can get into those details. But also on the other side, I think it's what Brother was hitting on when it comes to maybe an over excessiveness of passiveness, where you allow yourself to be humiliated, you allow yourself to, you, that's also toxic too, because what is the essence of being, it being toxic? Is that it's unhealthy to your soul, unhealthy to your body, unhealthy to your mind, unhealthy to your heart. So I think just at the end of the day, it's, it's a sense of unhealthiness in how you're expressing your manhood. Mm. So I'm gonna, um, if that's okay, I'm gonna delve right into um, this question. So Brother Hassan, thank you so much for asking right off the top. Cause I know we, we kind of, like I said, are stuck on this term and a lot, of, um, a lot of us are just struggling with this term. But the question is, is can you explain how masculinity can be toxic and why can't it be simply less than desired actions done by men which could also be present in women. Um, okay. Anybody want to take this? Uh, Brother Nasheed? Ah, yeah. <laughs> 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 I think it's, it's, she, I mean, everything that you just said, as far as, far as the first part of the question, um, yeah. you explained what toxic masculinity was. Um, I it, it a less desired uh, by done by men. It's too. It's hap It happens too much. Like you got to put a name to it. It happens a lot. You know what I'm saying? It just can't. If, if it if it was a random, you know, uh, 
situation, then yeah, okay, well, that's just something that he they do, that he do, but it happens a lot. And I think it comes from people allowing uh, the media or p- other people to influence them yeah. of what, yeah. how to be a man. You know what I mean? So, um, oh, which, well, what it says, uh, which also could be president women. I, Can't, I, I think we're going to get into that later because yeah. it's, <laughs> Because, yeah. cause it's 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 like it's in women a lot these days. It's in especially the younger women. It's in them a lot because, yeah, we, we can get into that later. I, I agree that I, that it is in uh, some women these days also. And I wanted to say, and I don't know why I have a huge echo. I'm not exactly sure, um, but I'm just gonna mute everybody. Sorry. Okay. So one of the things I wanted to just mention, because the next thing is also, is there a thing called toxic femininity? And if so, there are, what are their traits? Okay. So before we go down this sort of rabbit hole for a second, what I would like for us to do um, as brothers, as men and women kind of coming together in this discussion right now, the topic of this podcast is prophetic masculinity versus toxic, I mean, excuse me, toxic masculinity. And that is what we are focusing on here tonight. It is not to suggest that there aren't traits um, or toxic traits within women or there's not a such thing as toxic femininity. But I think what is really important that we begin to do is that allow um, us to really address these issues without a need to sort of counterattack. If there's no need for that, we're having an open dialogue and let's just allow space for that for tonight. And then inshallah, we will address um, toxic femininity um, in its due time. So inshallah, I just wanted to just kind of say that so we can be on the right track with this discussion. But Jazakallah Kaiden. Okay, Ziada. Alhamdulillah. I thought that was a great point to make um, because we should definitely always stick to the topic. Their questions are definitely warranted and they're great discussions to have in the, um, in the future. Um, one of the other questions that we had was Be a man, stop crying for it right this minute. These words are familiar to most adult men as a part of their upbringing introspective of their heritage. Undoubtedly, the contraception of manualist, I'm sorry, manualist has always been dependent on context. How should Muslims in the modern West approach the phrase, be a man? And far too often, you know, you hear like if a little boy is crying or something, it's like, you need a man up. Why are you showing all those emotions? Control your emotion, control your emotion. And oftentimes when they become older, that can, cause for them not to be able to express themselves emotionally or to feel like this is what it means to be a man, not to show emotion, not to speak about their hurt or their pain. And sometimes as women, you know, when we can feel is that, you know, if a man shows that 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 side of him that he's weak or things of that nature, but we've been conditioned to feel that way. And sometimes often that comes from slavery or um, things of, you know, it comes from slavery and just our history also that we were, our emotions were suppressed. So if you two would like to speak about that. Brother Solly, can I start with you, brother? Yeah. Um, you know, it is something that it's not just, you know, this idea of just this be a man, you know, boys can show emotions, men can show emotions. You just got to kind of hold it in or anything such as that. I mean, that's just not something that's just present in our society, but this is just, it's something of old. And immediately when I'm just thinking of this question, I'm thinking about um, the time in which the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 
when his son, Ibrahim, when he passed away. And this is a famous story that, you know, we've all heard in one regard or another. Um, when he passed away and the son, his son was about 18 months or so at the time. And for those of us who have children, I mean, you can imagine what it's like holding a child 18 months and they pass away. And so, you know, he starts crying at this time, holding his child and just passed away. And one of the companions came to him and he said, even you, Ya Rasulullah, I mean, like even you, you're crying. You're the one that's most knowledgeable of, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, of the akhirah, of the hereafter, of all of these things. Surely you know that this is, you know, what, what, what is this that's going on here? And the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu he just answers that this is mercy. And I think what we're doing when we're, again, it goes back to this creation, this caricature archetype, because that companion had in his mind that, no, this is how the Prophet should be. He had, a, he had in his mind, this is a character of how a prophet should be. No, you shouldn't be crying because you should be this way. But it's not about what we should or shouldn't do, but it's, it goes back to how we are. I, I, I think of just my own son. My, my own son, he takes from me. <laughs> He's emotional. <laughs> he cries. Um, and more so than his sisters, more so than his little sisters. And I know for me, it took me a, a good minute. And I'm still trying to learn just how to just let him be. It, 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 something as simple, just even just this past night, he's in him going to sleep, he's just in a fuss because he didn't want to finish his dinner. And so, okay, so then there's no dessert. But then he's just getting in his feelings. His sisters are cool with it. And they just sucked it up and they ate the rest of their dinner even though they didn't want it. But he's still in his feelings. He's still upset, you know, crying, whatever like that. And so for me, I'm just trying to take from them. For me, I try to just let him be, try to let him express that emotion. Because, I mean, even in even in psychology, in studies, you know, men and women, we might express our emotions differently at times in regards to a gender group when it comes to like just the average of what men typically do and women typically do. But scientifically, we all feel the same emotion still, still on the inside. And so, I mean, even in that example, the prophet says, I mean, just says, this is mercy. This It's okay to let this out. It's okay to just be, this doesn't go beyond anything, just abandon these kind of thoughts of what you should be and just allow yourself to just kind of just just be. And so this be a man, it's it's really, I mean, for me that that kind of phrase is just really, really dangerous for a society because you're just designing a whole bunch of men just to be fake and outside themselves. And then you just get a bunch of people that's just running around who don't know who, people who don't know who they are or anything such as that. So you know, that's a powerful thing you just said, Brother Solly, about fake or inauthentic. And a sense of when you are kind of, like you said, living up to this sort of model or a cultural ideal of what it means to be a man or what it means to be strong or what it means to be, you know what I mean, masculine. Um, a lot of it, from what you're saying, can show up pretty inauthentic, which is what a lot of you know, against some of us as women, that can be some of our experiences with our brothers when we kind of counter, when we come in contact with sort of that talk, those toxic sort of masculine traits. Is that is that what I'm getting from you? That it's inauthentic, an authentic yeah, way of. No, I mean, 100. percent It's just inauthentic. Yeah. It's fake. It's not. I say I say this frequently because I'm trying to beat it into my own self about just stop trying to be something that you're not. Just stop trying to be something that you're not. If you're a man, express yourself how you feel you need to express yourself. Islamic law, Sharia, that'll put the bounds onto, of course, you know, it doesn't mean that, okay, I'm overly violent there, so I'm just going to be myself and just, you know, hit a whole bunch of people. No, but 
I'm just going to be myself. And the Islamic law, it'll just, it'll, it puts the bounds on the halal and haram in terms of how far you can go when you're being yourself or whatever like that. But just this idea of how, just for me, just setting up these different modes of thinking of how we should be sets up a very dangerous because we'll always fall short of other, of others' expectations and how we mm -hmm. should be. And that just feeds a very dangerous mindset of, of life insecurity of not feeling like you're good enough or not feeling like you're enough. I mean, I, I know this is a cycle of thought that I was caught in, especially in my early 20s, not feeling enough, not feeling good enough, not feeling like I'm man enough, not feeling all these kinds of things. I mean, I can only th say that off my own personal experience with my own friends or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. And to break that mold of just, so, and we, we do this in Islam. It's not just a, the society the in the West, you know, be, you know, stop what we see on movies or whatever like that. But no, we do this in our in our religion. We say, oh, okay, common example that men will always bring up is saying Umar ibn Khattab. Why do we always bring up Umar ibn Khattab? Because he seems to be very aggressive and manly and things like mm -hmm. that. And we ignore all the narrations of Umar ibn Khattab and he's bawling and crying and things like that as well. Yeah. And so. Being checked by women. What? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, obviously. exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yeah. pretty much so. Yeah, absolutely. SubhanAllah. But yeah. Sorry. Um, and brother, um, brother Nasheed, I wanted to just address this idea of authenticity, because I think, like I said, mashallah, that's one of the reasons why, um, alhamdulillah, like I wanted you back. It's just the idea of really being authentic. Do you feel like a lot of y'all, do you feel like a lot of y'all struggle with that? As, as let's talk about it. Let's talk about African-American black men. Do you think you struggle with authenticity? Can I get back to that question? Can yeah, I ask, can I ask a question? Go ahead. Okay. Oh, so. Um, yeah, you know, I grew up, um, so as a, as a coach, a football coach to a little league, um, you get a lot of dudes, like young guys out there, they, you know, they hitting, they, and it's new to them to feel that contact sport. And you had a lot of dudes crying, right? Like a lot of the young, they would be crying. Coach would tell them, boy, this blood grass need water in any way, get back in the huddle. Get back in the huddle. Right. We're raising, for me, I don't see nothing wrong with the statement. Stop that crying, be a man. That, I mean, that's what it is. We, we, we're, raise, we're raising young boys to grow up to protect, you, to protect women. Not, I mean, I, I get it. You, I mean, you know, you get some young guys who, I, got, I got had one of them that they was really in their feelings or whatever, but we're, we don't, we don't want to have young men who, when something happens to them, when they get older, they start crying about it. No, figure it out. Figure it out. It ain't, it ain't, it's not to, it's not to, uh, you know, say to, say to them, when you tell them to stop crying, set that noise up, boy, you will, you will be a man. It's not to tell them, uh, you're, you don't, you're, you're less than what you're being less than what you are. It's to show them for future references. I, I got to suck it up. I got to deal with whatever is in front of me. I, and I can't do that if I'm emotional. If I'm if 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 I got this stuff going on in my mind, I have to figure it out. Um, do I think that we're in do, we, do I think we're authentic? Is it what you asked me? Do you think you struggle? Do you think that's a struggle that a lot of black men have is showing up authentic? <sighs> yeah, I, I I do. I only because we are I don't think we have our, we don't, we don't have an identity and we're constantly trying to 
um, okay, say, for example, when I became Muslim, um, I wanted to, you know, wear those all the time. You know what I'm saying? Um, I started learning Arabic, so I, my English became like I'm an Arab. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. uh, when I was hanging around the Pakistanians, I was wearing the, you know, the pants and the like. I don't because I didn't have my I don't have my identity. I mean, alhamdulillah, I think I have it now. But when you're younger and you got media and uh, influence of, of other things, I think you lose your identity as who as do we do we have an identity though? <laughs> like for real? Oh, we like, have that's one, the question. Do we, we have, have an identity? Been it's been projected yeah. on us. I mean, that's been a strategic tool by those that have aimed to keep us enslaved and oppressed, and I benefit from our oppression is by feeding us these narratives that come into us exerting, like you said, unhealthy identities as far as yeah. our black men and black women. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think we should, yeah. So I mean, I'm comfortable with who I am now, but I think. Throughout my, throughout my, uh, yo, young life, yeah, I was, I was struggling to find my identity for, like, really, seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I'm gonna bring in Sister Rose's comment and Ziada, I'm having you jump in, but this is for you, brother Nasheed. Um, she said, I think we have to do a better job of explaining what you mean to that boy who's crying, brother Nasheed. Be mm-hmm. a man, stop crying. To a teenage boy, would not be taking that way. Uh, okay, okay, no, no, we're not talking about a teenager. No, I'm, I'm talking about. Uh, like I, you know, like when I was in, um, when I was doing peewee football, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? When I was doing peewee football, a teenager, a teenager, you have to really have a conversation with him, you know, try to ask him why he's crying uh, and help him figure it out. He's at an age where you can help him figure it out. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't, because we're, we don't, we don't, we're, we're creating men. We're creating men. I mean, when, when this, when Islam came to the, to the Arabs, they were, bad like they were you know what i'm saying like they were they were they were really bad so it, what islam did is is islam not it didn't change them but it just made them a better people it made them it made them better people and i think that's the condition we're in and we need islam to make us better people right but you're still saying that you feel like young boys crying oh yeah i don't there's no nah uh-uh. no nah, i don't i'm not having Especially if I can see why you're crying, if I can un- see why you're crying, I'm trying to help you figure it out. Like I don't, you shouldn't be crying. I mean, so should they suppress be- that emotion? I'm just curious. Like, is that is that not suppressing or put putting them in a position to suppress that emotion? Yeah, some in some in some, in some cases I think it's you have to. In some cases I believe really? you have to. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I mean, it's we're 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 not. We're different from women. Like we figure things out without talking about it. Women talk about things. We we go inside. Women go outside. That's how we deal with things. And uh, I mean, when we get older and we get into a relationship and we find that person that we can't talk to, we open up. We be, we're, we're we're vulnerable. We're, we're able to be vulnerable with that person. But as far as the rest of the world. You getting this thugness for real? You getting mm. this thugness? Yeah, I'm gonna bring you in, girl. Well, I, I I guess a part of me understands what he's speaking about, right? Somewhat, right? Because if you grew up in the inner city, and I grew up, I grew up in Baltimore City, right? And you can't, even as a woman, 
you can't show a certain sign of weakness in the inner city or you will get ate alive, literally. So there's a certain mask that you have to wear in front of society to show we're living in the inner city that you can't come for me. There's nothing and you're not going to break me. Right. So you can't show emotion. Now, is that normal? Is that something that we should feel is normal? It's not. It wasn't until I moved to the South that I realized this is toxic, right? And this is not how you should live where you don't even show people eye contact because you don't want someone to ask you, what are you looking at, you know? And so when speaking, my son played football and I felt like some of the coaches, you should be a mentor for those children at that age. Don't tell them to suck it up. Go, you acting like a little punk because you crying, stuff like that. Like that is not healthy. And then when they become older as men and they're in relationships, yeah, you may open up a little bit, but not really because you still are masking that it, what, what you are told as a child becomes your inner thought process as an adult. So if you are a, a, a male and someone is telling you, suck it up, be a man, be a man, be a man, and not show emotion. And then his, when you get married and your wife is like, you don't talk to me. I don't know what you're going through because you're not speaking about it, you know? And a lot of that also comes from slavery because when a black man saw his wife being raped by the slave master, he literally could not show emotion. When he was being beat by the master, he had to hold in his tears when he was being devalued as a man. And we have literally passed that same ideology into raising our male children. And some of it is not cohesive because this is where toxic masculinity does definitely derive from because you're not expressing how you're feeling. You feel as though to be more manly is really what it means to be a black man. And I think like, you know, white men definitely are toxic in like corporate America and things of that nature, but they're not called a punk. They're not called weak. They cry all the time, but no one is calling them weak. You know, no one calls them that. And as black men, at least give yourself that space to be vulnerable and it's okay. No one is going to look at you and feel as though you're weak. That doesn't mean you're not gonna be able to figure things out and do for your family just because you shed a tear. That's not gonna take away from providing as a man. It's just not, that's just my theory. Okay, so we getting, and you know, the comments is going in, Brother Nasheed, but that's what you're here for, Aki. So, alhamdulillah, but they're basically uh, addressing, one of the questions is, Brother, don't you think young boys should know and have tools to express an emotion? We have too many emotionally immature adults. Um, did you want to address this really quickly before we move on? I'm going to bring Brother Solly back in. Oh, sorry, Brother Nasheed, you're muted. Go ahead, uh, brother. Go ahead. Say it again. No, no, no. I, I believe, yeah, 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 yeah. We should. We should. That's why we tell them to get back in the huddle, to face that issue that you got going on. Get back in the huddle and face that issue. Get, get another hit that you just got so you can know how to deal with that. So is crying not dealing with an issue? I'm just wondering. Like, is the expression or the release of the tears actually not dealing with the issue? Does that take away from addressing what the problem is, in your opinion? Crying makes after, okay. Okay, I'm, I'm thinking about when I cry. After I cry, I feel good. Like I feel, mm -hmm. I feel relieved. Right. You know, I feel good. I feel relieved. But the issue is still there. Like I still now I got to go into deal with the issue. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. yeah. Um, tell them to deal with the issue. Go deal with the issue. Or talk them through, help them. I agree. You know, yes, there should you should there should be tools in place, and that's what I'm here for, especially for boys. That's why men are in the house to help boys become men. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, they they and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And I think Sister Jamila said it beautifully. She said we have to teach our children how to not only express their emotions, but also balance it with how to cope with situations, as Brother Nasheed you're saying. So I get your point now. Um, Brother Sali, I'm going to bring you in. Um, I, I want to bring in the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu because we're really drawing from his example of masculinity and manhood. And just in the preparation of this whole um, um, season, I've been thinking about, you know, just studying. Like I said, I've been engrossed in studying the Sirah opposed to just kind of like these kind of pulling out these hadiths and such, because I see such a contrast sometimes of what is being taught, especially being preached to us as Muslim women of how we're supposed to show up and the relationships we just have to participate in, et cetera, et cetera, as it relates to what, how the Prophet Muhammad actually lived. Um, so my question to you, brother, is the Prophet Muhammad he was a builder of men. We know that. Um, his compassion, his strength and character was a beacon in the darkness of prevailing ignorance in his time of jahiliyyah um they were also he also showed us some guiding principles of transitioning from the corruption of the self as well as to purify yourself to, to bring out the essence of what manhood should be how did the prophet muhammad وسلم, use purification of self to model manhood and masculinity it's a long question mashallah <laughs> So, brothers and brothers and she was bringing up a lot of things in regards to building young boys, and I'm definitely in full agreement. Kind of, and I think we all kind of agree. At the end of the day, you know, especially as men, we're here to guide them through it, to guide them through that emotion, to show them that time and the place where maybe sometimes, yeah, you got to suppress the emotion a little bit because you got to get something done. And then the time and the place where, you know, you got to let that out. You got to be vulnerable. Like this is, yeah, I was saying vulnerability is really key. When you look at the Sira, I mean, vulnerability is all across the Sira. The Prophet Muhammad was 1000% vulnerable. When you go to, even when, um, how many examples could you give? I mean, when he's going to, uh, when he was trying to, to uh, what was it? the conquest of, uh, no, when he, they were trying to make the first pilgrimage and they were denied from going to Mecca the very first time. And he goes, they make the Treaty of Hudaybiyah and the entirety of the commands were just shot. And they didn't, he commanded them to even just still to cut their hairs and to still perform the rites of pilgrimage. None of them did. And he's just despondent. He's wondering what to do. And he just sits down and who does he go to? But he goes to one of his wives and his wife gives him the advice to no, just go ahead. You're the prophet. I'm obviously paraphrasing. You're, you're the prophet. Just go cut your hair. They'll eventually follow you. And eventually that's what he did. And he went on through. And so, I mean, he the Sirah is just full of examples of him confiding within people, especially his wives, Khadija, such as that. But when we're talking about building up boys and building up men, and especially when you get into Teskia, it's purification of the self. There's a really beautiful story from him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Um, where there's a young boy that comes to him amongst a group of, you know, uh, people in the, in the town. And he comes to him asking him permission to commit fornication, to commit adultery. It's like, just give me permission to commit zina. And the entire crowd is going quiet, quiet. They're just trying to hush this child. And the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi he takes this young man and he guides them through, well, would you like that for your mother? No, Ya Rasulullah, I wouldn't like that. Would you like that for your sister? No, Ya Rasulullah. Would you like that for your aunt? No, Ya Rasulullah. Would you like that for your daughter? No, Ya Rasulullah. All these things. 
And eventually he guides them all through it and he places his hand on his chest until that boy, he starts to realize, and it's communicating the hadith that he starts to realize that nothing became more hated to him after that than the zina that he wanted to seek permission to commit. And so, I mean, when we see, like, when we look at this, you know, when we look at the Prophet he takes that time, just like what everybody here agreed on, he takes that time with the young people, especially the young people in Medina, to really guide them through their thoughts, to guide them through their emotions, to guide them through these things. Um, I was thinking about, it. Was, it it's still stuck in my head, but Brother Nasheed mentioned about uh, uh, the, kind of the, the suck it up thing. And I agree there's times that you, you got to say suck it up or you kind of just got to, you kind of got to move on in order to get to that, in order to grow, in order to face that issue, right? And that's, that's essentially what Teske is. That's what purification is. You see an issue, you have to, you have to conquer it. You have to go forward with it. You have to um, annihilate it, whatever like that. But it was just up in my head that, you know, what are the kind of men that we're trying to use? You, you mentioned that, you know, we have to, we have to teach them how to protect our women. So they just got to take the issue and tackle it. And my mind just went to like, who are we trying to protect our women from? We're trying to protect them from men who don't know how to cry. You know, at the end of the day, we're trying to protect them from men who don't know how to work through that emotion. And so, I mean, when we're going to the Prophet Muhammad I mean, that's, that's everything that we tried to, that's everything that he went through. Who's chest did he lie in after he got that revelation and he's completely, he's saying to himself, I, I'm fearing for myself. He goes to his Khadija, he goes to his daughter Fatima, on other occasions. He goes to, when he's thinking about divorcing all of his wives at once in one cut, one go, Omar ibn Khattab comes and comforts him and makes him laugh. And so, I mean, I think there is something where I, I actually really don't agree that we, we teach, and when, especially when it comes to Tazkiyah, to suppress it. I gotta let it out. Time and a place, of course, but you got you got to let it out. Mm, Subhanallah, Jazakallah, Kairan. Thank mm. you for that reminder. Yes, I'm gonna segue into what I want the remainder of this sort of podcast to focus on, which is the relationships that we forge between um, men and women. Um, we need to discuss this, and we need to get real about it. Um, we toy all the time between the dynamics between men and women. Um, as Black people in this country, we're, we are faced with additional challenges that come with our past experiences and our traumas. As Ziada mentioned, um, how you know the the exploit, sexual exploitation of our Black women, um, and and how that has contributed to um, a lot of a lot of like sort of survival mechanisms within us that we just sometimes just really can't turn off, as well as the ad adaptation and within our Black men, the challenges that they're faced with. Um, I want to just go straight to keeping it a buck. Is that okay? Um, the idea of like um, acquiring a lot of different women. We wanted to just talk straight about that. Um, now, I'm not talking about polygyny, so let's not make this a, the conversation about that. I am talking about the aspect of acquiring, womenizing, and acquiring a lot of women, um, and that being deemed as manly, um, as masculine. Can we talk a little, can we start there? Where does that come from? And do you necessarily agree or disagree with how we are operating in the Black Muslim community as it relates to this issue of multiple women? Brother Nasheed, let's start with you. Hold on, wait. We are need it. All right, go ahead, bro. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hold on. We're not talking about polygamy. Polygamy. <laughs> no. We're not talking about polygamy. Well, listen, listen. And we're talking about the Muslim community. Hold on, brother. See, 
So what I want, I want to just make sure that we're clear that I'm not, this is not, because I think sometimes whenever we, he's sipping more tea over there. Yeah. Whenever we bring up the concept, (laughs) (laughs) whenever we bring up the concept of multiple women, it immediately goes to this idea of polygyny. Yeah. We know we know the sunnah of polygyny. I mean, you can incorporate infuse that into your answer. That's fine. No one is disputing or debating that. I just wanted to make that clear. We are talking about the aspect of um, sort of women ionizing, okay. rotating multiple women. Um, is this something that is toxic? Is this something that is just misunderstood? It's, it's a topic of many conversations amongst women as well as men. So we just want to better understand. I don't, I don't believe it's toxic, no. Um, I've been studying this like for really for years and some dudes just, it's just in them, they have to have more than one woman. Not, not to, you know, abuse them or uh, mistreat them. Some dudes just have to have more than one woman. Like, um, so no, I don't, I don't believe it's toxic at all. Uh, recently, I started reading something about mother issues, <laughs> mommy issues, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I think I got mommy issues. My mom wasn't there when I was younger, right? So I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to find my mom in these, you know, the women I, I meet. I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm one of them. I just, I can't have more than one woman. You can't have one No. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. No, no. I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah. So I mean, so yeah. So that's inside the dean, but on the outside of the dean, like you know, uh, I, I think it's a lot of young guys or men, just period. That's when it get abusive. That's when it gets uh, toxic because you know they say anything just to get in their pants. You know what I mean? They say anything just to get in their pants. Even I love you. She's feeling you know vulnerable and she she's loving it. And then he just gets what he wants and leaves her, leaves her. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's that's when it gets toxic. You know what I mean? Islam doesn't allow that because we have to marry and take care and, you know, stuff like that. Um, but on the outside of you know, the outside of the dean, I think dudes are are running through it. And that's one of the reasons why women are so upset at us and they're calling us toxic. Uh, and, and masculinity is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Masculinity is looked frowned upon these days. For that's one reason. Yeah. And before you know, I segue to Brother Kelly, but um, and I'm hearing an echo. I'm sorry. I'm going to mute everybody. Um, Sister Doreen said it can be toxic because some need more than one for their own insecurities. And Sister Amina said there's a difference between polygyny and womanizing, which is what I was trying to communicate. Thank you. Womanizing, by definition, is toxic. So. Um, sometimes polygyny is used to cover womanizing, but womanizing, that's why I'm saying it's not, I'm not addressing polygyny as the prophetic, the way it was uh, modeled by the prophet Muhammad sallallahu I just want to be clear about that. So when I'm talking about, is it toxic to, um, in a sense, womanize, acquire multiple women constantly, never enough, kind of rotate this one, that one, always stimulated by the new shiny thing. Is that in itself toxic? Brother Sali, did you want to address that at all? I mean, yeah, I mean, whether you're talking about polygyny or haram, whatever like that, I mean, brothers still talk about it in the masjid, you know, whether it's in the men's lounge, quote unquote, or on the musallah floor, they still talk about it, haram or not. 
And so, I mean, it's it, what's worse is that when polygyny is used either to cover it up, like you were just saying, or it's used as the as like the medium to womanize. And so, I mean, I, I know stories of sisters that get passed around, that get passed around to the brothers in the community within marriages, but they might have, you know, four or five, six husbands, whatever like that, by the time they're 30. And they were married since they were like 14, 15, something like that. Um, it's a problem. It, it, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a problem. I'm saying this now because I know specifically in my own community um, that this is a problem. In my old community in Philly, this was a problem. Uh, and just no stories of women, like that's just, it, it, it just cycles. Um, polygyny is usually used for, but you know, a lot of teenagers and young men right now in their early 20s, they'll just, they just skip all that. And, you know, they're just exploring whatever, um, just like any, you know, Jim or Jack that's in their local high school or whatever like that. Um, I mean, the short answer is, yeah, it's toxic. It feeds into our larger culture, our larger society of what this, I don't know, you asked the question, where does it come from? I don't know. I think Brother Nishi was right when he said, you know, some men just have it in them and some do it for legitimate purposes. They just, it's just in them, not to abuse, not to nothing, no, even all this, you know, whatever like that. Some, those insecurities scream loud this need to just dominate a woman and somehow that one you've seen dominating to other women by you dominating one woman in particular, or you just seen that way in front of men and we get that cachet from how, I mean, it's all in our music, it's all in our culture. I mean, it's all present around mm -hmm. us. It's gonna seep into our, to black Muslims, it's gonna seep into our messages. And it's, it's yeah. seeped into our culture and as well. Absolutely, Ziada, did you wanna segue or, or add, contribute to this? Sure, I can definitely segue back. First, I wanted to say to Brother Nashi, thank you for being being honest. Can you hear me? Um, about that, you know, some of that you feel came from your mom not being in your life, right? And that that definitely plays a part where you can see for some men with their insecurities of acquiring multiple women because it feeds the ego and it also replaces the love that they wish that they had received from their parents. And their mothers in particular, but I know that Sabria and I were speaking earlier, and it was one of the things that I spoke about with um, in Islam period, growing up as a Muslim woman myself, far too often as Muslim women, our fathers policed us with everything, far as what, you know, make sure no boys call the home, you got punished if a boy called the home, um, you policing the, the clothing, our feminine power, making us feel as though anything that we exude with femininity was haram or wrong as a Muslim woman. And instead of looking at what their sons were doing or if their sons were caught with the girl, it was a conversation. That's all that was had. I know I'm just speaking just me growing up, um, you know, but after hearing these conversations, I got married. I had a child in marriage, you know, and my, I'm not trying to call them out, but I know others who've had four children by four different women and was never married to any of them. And some of my friends, same thing, like they got married, had children inside of marriage. And I think with Islam, like this toxic masculinity or just the bias with, we need to make sure that our girls are so pure, so pure, so pure, but what are you doing with the boys? They are sleeping with everything moving. 
they in the street and then you want to marry this righteous woman you just this this you want to have this role of i have to have a pure wife and she needs to be righteous but you're not righteous and then when the girls are growing up you're telling her that her femininity needs to be constantly monitored and she gets married and she cannot turn that feminine power in because she's been told that she needs to suppress that and then now she's in a in a marriage where her husband is like, what's going on? You're not showing up sexually, you know? But she was told that this is not how she ought to be as a Muslim woman. But her Muslim brother is having a ball in, in the street. He know everything that's going on. And he has children by other women and things of that nature. So where does this change in our community where you are not policing your daughters and saying the same thing to your sons, because a lot of the Muslim boys are having children, they're not getting married, but most of the Muslim girls are waiting to get married, having children, in marriage, not out here clubbing, things of that nature. And then when they're ready to get married, the men that they eat, they don't really have good choices because the yeah. brothers are have lived a whole different life from what they have experienced. Now, some women, they're not innocent. But mm -hmm. a lot like that I know of my friends really try to aspire to be good human beings and listen to what their fathers told them. Even now, you know, fathers may tell you, you're not doing what you're supposed to Islamically. I'm grown. I have my own business. I raise my son. I'm not in the street. I don't do any of that. But yet you still want to find something wrong with what I'm doing. And I just think that I don't hear that same argument. I know I didn't hear it in my household. My brother did not get chastised for some of the things that he did the way that I did. Absolutely not. So how can we change that in this community? And before you guys answer, I want to, because Ziada, you mentioned such a powerful point. You know, we, you and I were talking about can't that. Hear you. you can't hear me? Can't hear you. Can you hear me now? They're saying I can hear me. You can't hear me, Ziada. Brother, Um, you can hear me? Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Alhamdulillah. Let me know in the comments if you cannot hear me. Um, Ziada, just work on your volume. But the sister Dila said, we know men are naturally attracted to women. They will always look at women. So the woman has to protect herself and him. That's why proper behavior and dress is so important. So I thought this was powerful as Ziada was mentioning it. And it's, it's not to state that I don't completely disagree with this, but I do think there is some aspects of what we kind of deal with. The pressure is always on us. Like you said, we have to protect ourselves and you. And it's like, actually, what does, and Brother Sala, you can jump in here. What, how does the, the Quran come when it comes to lowering the gaze or when it talks to men about this aspect of it? Doesn't it address them lowering the gaze prior to addressing hijab in the Quran? Exactly. I mean, Allah talks to the men first before he talks to the women. It's almost like the women is just a kind of like a, a safety net. I mean, really, if you to use any maybe those terms like the hijab or et cetera, et cetera. And really, I mean, when you say hijab, I mean, we know there's a hijab for men too, right? And so, I mean, really, for the women, like it, it seems to be kind of more of a safety net. But the first and foremost thing is the onus is on the men. The onus is on the men, and the onus is on the women too, and lowering the gaze. I mean, there's a mutuality to it, but obviously, you know, with what. Um, you guys have just been talking about, we've structured our families and our, just our, I'll just stick within our black Muslim culture where the onus is always on the sisters, always on the sisters. I'm just thinking in, I don't want to name the school, but <laughs> it was a school that I worked in before. And I remember sitting in meetings and I remember hearing just some of the brothers talk about, you know, 
you know, the school was much better back in the day when the sisters were in full call, full black, everything such as that. And then the men could just kind of be just however. And it's just, just the onus for me, at least from what I see in our common discourse, in my experience, is that the onus is always placed on the sisters first and foremost when it comes to modesty, but never so much in regards to the men. When we know that the Prophet Muhammad that he was described as being more shy than a virgin girl himself. So, you know, we, it's, I'm all for mutuality. Um, I don't like the onus is on one more than the other. Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, the hijab is more extensive for the women for certain reasons that are, you know, there are natural things with men, with what we do, with what we tend to look at, obviously, of course, um, this might be more extensive. But at the end of the day, the onus is just, is just as much on us as it is for the women. Okay. And Brother Nasheed, I know you've raised both boys and girls. Can you talk about this issue a little bit of how, what, what Sister Ziada addressed? Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. Okay, so uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I was I was really hard on not. I wasn't hard. No, nah, I wasn't hard. Um, but it was more restrictions on my daughter. Yeah, I, I'm I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. Uh, but I think it was. This, I mean, I, I did the same thing to my sons, though. You know what I mean? Like. Um, For me, when my daughter was younger, it was because I was, I guess I'm a realist, right? So I, I knew that she wanted to have sex, you know, she, uh, at a young age uh, because boys was calling and all, I, I'm not going to uh, be fighting with her about that. Let's get her married. So um, I, I was one of them, one of the parents who let her get married at 15. Um, you know, just... I mean, I caught hell. Like they gave me hell about that. <laughs> but we had to do what we thought was best for her. You know what I mean? Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I agree. There, there is. We do put a lot of pressure on the girls. We do put a lot of pressure. However, however, I think that there's a lot of pressure on the boys too. There's a lot of pressure on the boys. And, and okay, so the boys are listening to us. I, 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 I wanted to get into this question, but um, the boys are listening to us adults. The children, the kids are listening to us adults talk about uh, getting married. And the pressure on the boys is that he has to provide completely for the woman. He has to comply, com com provide completely for the woman. It's a lot of relationships that won't get started because of that. He, he, he will not he he will not be able to co provide completely for a family by himself. We 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 don't live in uh we don't live in a tribe or a community. We don't have a community that's that's that could help them grow. When when they get married, most of the times they're on their own, and if she's not doing nothing to help him financially, that marriage is not going to last. So it's a lot of pressure on them for for him to to take care of a, a family totally. And I think that's why a lot of relationships are not lasting. I think that's one of the reasons, rather. Not, not completely, but that's one of the reasons that a lot of relationships not last. And are you saying our brothers are delaying marriage because of this pressure? And instead, is, is that what you're saying? Delaying, like the sister was saying, they go out, they having babies without being married at all. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then, yeah, then after they get established, then they want to come back to them, to them to the community because they're ready now. They feel they can, you know what I'm saying? Marry a pious, righteous sister, you know what I mean? But like she said, 
you 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 tank you tainted you tainted goods now. You know, I don't want you. You want me pure, but you're not pure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, I think I think it's a lot of pressure on on young relationships. I'm gonna say that. I'm gonna say not just the men, but it's it's a lot of pressure on young relationships because the girls are hearing that's what they're expecting. They're expecting to marry a dude and take be taken care of and not and and not uh contribute financially or uh anything. They just they just wanna be taken care of. And it, it, it is it's hard for uh, our young people to do this in this society, to do that in this society. Oh, child, you opening up a can of worms. Are we gonna do Let's that? Let's go. Again? Let's we, go. We, Bring it. That's okay. But I, I said, to, <laughs> you said, I said what I said. <laughs> so I pulled, I pulled out this powerful point, though, uh, from MuslimGirl.com. And they were talking about, you know, um, femininity and masculinity. And it was speaking on behalf of Muslim women and is to qualify as a Muslim woman as marriage friendly material. A Muslim woman is expected to be Martha Stewart in the kitchen, a combination of Hoover, feather, duster and mop and cleanliness, Scarlett John Johansson in, in sex appeal, Virgin Mary and modesty, Mother Teresa and devotion, Malala Yousafzai, I don't know who that is, in activism and literacy. Oh, I know who that is. Okay. Only for bragging purposes, Octomom and making an army of kids and Wonder Woman and putting up with the in-laws. What's a Muslim man expected to do? Provide and protect. And seeing that essentially, I, we, we, I guess, kind of segue into your point, and this is just an, another sister's opinion, okay? Um, that the pressure on women as well to be all of everything and almost almost operate in a sense of perfection in order, in order to qualify for even being provided and protected is also a notion that's happening out there in our communities. And I see it, this, this discussion and this debate happening in a lot of these like chats out there, these Facebook groups in regards to that. Do you, what do you think about that, um, Brother Nasheed, in reference to what you just said about the pressure on men to provide? I, it's, it's a pressure on young relationships. Like it's... Um, but do you okay. feel like that far as, I mean, do you also agree? Because I know you also mentioned your daughter, that there's mm. also this pressure on the women to be, we, like Ziada said, we're supposed to be the epitome of sexuality, but then we better, you know, we grew up having to be super modest, can't even look at a boy or, you know, mm. what do you have on? What you're wearing? What color you got on? Um, just that contrast of trying to operate all those dynamics and roles. Is that as well also an issue that permeates in the mindsets? of our young men that are getting married? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Because I mean, if, okay, so let, let's say, let's say he can provide, uh, but he can't protect, he'll pump. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, my bad, oh my I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, he, he can provide, but he can't protect. He, okay. or he can provide, he can protect, but he can't procreate. Like there's, you know I'm saying like there's those those guidelines of what is it the three P's? Yeah. Th those I protect and profess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those those three P's should shouldn't be uh, set in stone. They should be guidelines for what every man should strive for. But if but if I can't get there, I shouldn't be questioning my manhood. And I think we. I think are we the only my question is are we the only race black people are we the only race who question each other manhood like do do, do you know what I'm saying like they, I mean it's like we always my my manhood is always a question you ain't even a man 
You know what I'm saying? Because I can't provide. Dude told me, listen, I, I was going through something. I couldn't get a job, right? Muslim dude told me that you're not even a man of your house. What? I yo, I'm a man of my house even if I'm in a, a box. Like, just because I can't provide right now doesn't mean, doesn't question my manhood. And alhamdulillah that I had a, I had a, I have a woman who understands that. Like, we're just going through. She probably was cursing me out. I need to get a job in her mind, but she never said nothing to me. She never said nothing to me because of the respect, because of the work that I put in before. I, the relationships, relationships are, are going to have a problem because there's the younger relationships are going to have a problem because there's no. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, I just, that's I mean, it. and Brother Saul, I want to know what you think, though, but because it's almost as if the it's like, okay, it's a lot of pressure on the brothers to provide, which I get what you're totally what you're saying. But I'm just saying there's equally that pressure on Muslim women to be the epitome almost of perfection without blemish, without mistake to even qualify. I mean, how many kind of dialogues do we hear about the brothers negotiating whether this woman qualifies for a particular dowry because she has kids or she was married before, she's this or that? Mm. So I'm just, I'm just wondering about this, Ali. What do you think? Are we balancing even the way we look at um, the pressure mm. on our brothers and sisters? I mean, we all face some pressure on each other. I mean, expectation scale. I mean, you know, the one argument, yeah. right? Okay, she got to be Marcus Seward in the home. She got to be, you know, this in the bed or this kind of laundry. She got to do this, you got to do that. Okay, that pressure's there. But at the same time, well, you know, he's got to make this certain amount of figures. He's got to hold this kind of job. He's got to have this kind of status. He's got to have this kind of standing in the community. He's got to this kind of knowledge brother. He's got to do this. No, we all pressure on each other. Each one of us, we're trying to marry a personality as opposed to actual person. We're trying to marry something as opposed to someone. And so, you know, whether that's, you know, going one way or the other, I mean, we could go, we could play that game all day, really. Yeah. <laughs> we could really play that game all day. Um, I mean, I, I know for me, I, I just need you. I just need loyalty. It took me a while to get to that point, but I, I just need your loyalty. Like, I just need you to stand by me. Like, that's for me, and that's what I have in my life, you know? But, I mean, we just, we can play that back and forth ping pong ball all day long. At the end of the day, we all put some pressure on each other. None of us are happy. And then we're just all going to just have broken marriages and relationships. I mean, I've had a marriage breakdown for that very exact reason before. I've had a marriage breakdown before because of that, because uh, I was looking at, you know, to have certain qualities and I was just caught up in that. And I was being also had that pressure on me that, okay, yeah, maybe I'm working a certain job, whatever like that, but I needed to be better. I needed to um, provide this. I need to maintain. I'm not being the friend wasn't being maintained at the level they wanted to be at, maybe. And that was something that we would go back and forth on a lot of times. Oh, my God bless uh, my wife and everything like that. But I mean, that's that's just a reality of what we always do. We're always looking to try to gain something from the other as opposed to what we can give sometimes. And just mm -hmm. being like, okay, this is the person, like this person I made, this person I ride with, and just you know, trying to go forward like that. Mm. Mm. Thank you for saying that. And Ziad, I want to bring you in on this conversation because I always talk about, you know, we can go back and forth with these issues all day, but if we aren't a people that are really ultimately trying to develop our connection, first and foremost, with our creator mm. and then ourselves, and then ultimately with the partner that we're with, that we really focus in on, you know, that connection. And like, like the brother said so beautifully, marrying someone, not something. I mean, how many of us struggle with that? And we don't even know that that's the way we're showing up. So subhanAllah, Ziada, like, 
as as if you're looking at our relationship, especially as 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 black people, do you feel like we struggle with connection? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think you made a great point. I think that's is why it's so important that we really understand who we are and what we what we what we need and want before we attract the mate, right? Because we forget sometimes the humanity in others. That just because he's a man doesn't mean that he's not human and that he has emotions and he has uh, vulnerabilities and that, you know, it's maybe some things that he may need to work on and need to grow, you know, and that's where where communication is key. We need to understand that we have to communicate effectively, take our ego out of a lot of these conversations. And Islam is not just, it's not perfect, right? It's, It's perfect, but we as individuals are imperfect, right? And so, we have to really understand that going in that both of us you're not you're not going to find perfection in a relationship and if you want this person to make you happy and fulfill every one of your needs then you you already failed because they're not going to do that no human being can provide for you all of that only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can provide that way that's why we call out to him that's why we ask for him to guide us and to give us and increase our risk and things of that nature because he's the only one that can do that as much as you try to chase for that money the money is trying to find you as well so you have to be patient in that and know that as even as a woman when you're going into a relationship you need to know who you are and show up that's why i get you know you wanting to marry your daughter off young but at the same time like let's not focus on marrying our children just because they want to have sex because then once you have fulfilled that need you stuck with that human being now you're looking at that person like, I don't really like you. I don't even know who I am in this relationship. So how am I going to be a wife if I don't know who I am as a person? Or how am I going to be a husband if I don't even know who I am? So I think we need to also make it a, a more evolved conversation yeah. that we're having with our children. Because I know I talk to my son honestly about, listen, okay? You're not going to put no woman through no foolishness because I'm going to jack you up. If I hear that you're putting her through some stuff, I'm telling you, I'm going to jack you up. You're not going to put no woman through a whole bunch of stuff. You're going to show up as a whole human being, you know, and really be a good partner. Like we need to understand what it, what it means to be a partner to someone yeah. and Absolutely. love ourselves, you know, love you first fully before you can expect anyone else to love you. If you don't love yourself, you don't love your company, you don't know who you are, where you're going in life, you are just as confused and you're gonna cause confusion in that relationship. So we really need to have better conversations with our children, not basic line, okay, you have a sexual desire, get married. It needs to be more than just that. And because the boys, And that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, if I could just jump in here, I wanted to ask the brothers for a second in regards to that. And just we'll end the podcast here. We're way over, but it's a great dialogue happening. But the idea of, like you said, that that sexual appetite, um, I hear a lot being justified, especially when it comes to even the mistreatment of one another under the guise of um, saving ourselves from the fire. Um, protecting ourselves, quote unquote, which is a valid concern as it relates to ma- getting married, um, as it relates to our sexual appetites. Um, I wanted to just ask for a, a question in regards to that of as Muslim men, how do you how do you work that out within yourselves? And what are some recommendations that you have in regards to that, like 
sexual appetite. Because I've heard brothers say that fasting doesn't, they don't work. <laughs> so, I mean, we that, know that the, we know the it does. Brother said it works, so it works. Right. <laughs> Maybe they're not fasting right. <laughs> they cheating. You ain't doing it right. That's it. <laughs> go ahead, brother. Now she go ahead, jump into this one. Um, man, listen. Uh, so just to be real with you, I've learned how to control or uh, yeah, control the D long time ago. Um, when I'm in my, in my, and as I was a teenager, um, okay. so, and I, and this, this is what I teach young men. I teach young men, stop thinking about having sex with her all the time. She's a whole woman. She is, she, she has more than just sex for you. Y'all can build together as a team that, that I'm trying, what I try to tell these young men is, uh, build a future with her because build a future with her, get to know her, build a future with her because you want someone to be there with you through the long run. Running in and out of women, that's, I, I guess it's fun, but it's it's, it, it's it's damaging to your soul. You know what I'm saying? It's damaging you. Don't, you don't want to do that. So for me personally, like I don't, I don't have that. I don't, I don't, I don't sex boy, as far as sexual desires, I don't have that. I would rather uh, have deep conversation with you. Uh, yeah, I'd rather have, have a conversation with you. So how are men getting there? You said that you controlled the um, yourself when you were younger. How do mm -hmm. how do men get to that point of being able to rein that in? Um, I, you can watch my YouTube channel. <laughs> I got a YouTube channel, Nasheed Jackson. Go check it out, man. I give all the game there. All right? Check me out. <laughs> okay, for for mature audience. Right, audience. exactly. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, because yeah, it, it, it you you have to start young because I, it's young older dudes out there. Like I work with some of them. Like it's all they talk about is how they're going to run through this and like, well, dude, how old are you? You my age. You can't be doing this, man. Like, but that's that's what it is. They they that's they created that toxic. Uh, trade. Mm, powerful. Brother Solly, what are some recommendations you have? You're asking the wrong one. Uh, <laughs> 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 I don't have a YouTube channel and I can say, yo, go ahead and <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to give my ass to go hit up uh, Brother Bismillah. <laughs> but um, no, but. I mean, I actually fully agree with 100% with everything uh, that was just said. Just um, at the same time, though, I don't know. I mean, my son's he's six, my daughter's four, I have another daughter, too. And where I'm at right now, I don't have the years and experience, but where I'm at right now is if they reach the age when they're in their teenage years and they tell me they're about to do something, it's going to be haram. And there's a way in which I could work with them, get them. I would want to get them married and then figure the, figure the rest out later. Figure out the love, figure out the compassion, figure out the how to find whatever within the other partner. Absolutely, you know, you want to build a future. You want to do all these things. And once you pick a person, you're stuck with that person. You need to make it work. You need to love them for the sake of Allah, not just for the sake of your own self. But hell is hot. Hell is hot. Hey. <laughs> and you don't know and you just... Don't know where you're going. I, I also think. I also think at the end of the day, we 
this is my own personal opinion, we also make marriage and divorce overly complicated. We make it more, it's, I mean, it's serious. Obviously we know, you know, what's said in regards to it being, you know, I hate a permissible thing, divorce and everything like that, right? Um, and just the, the, gra the gravity of marriage and how it being, it's half your religion, right? But at the same time, it's made easy for a religion, it's made easy for a reason. You know, two witnesses, so, you know, a little dowry, whatever. Like, it is easy for a reason. So, I think you I think at the end of the day, open communication, right? Open communication with your child, with your teenager, with your young adult, or with your friends, with your sibling, whatever. Like, you need to have that open communication. You need to have those deep conversations. I also think we need to have mechanisms within our communities and within our families and between families to work it out. Where if two people are at that point where they're they're gonna do something regardless. We need to, I think there does need to be some things because at the end of the day, you got to protect yourself from the fire. At the end of the day, you got to protect yourself soon because you don't know how you're going to die. You just don't know. You really don't. I want to bring in something. We're going over, but it's okay because it. Um, so the brother said, Why do you say it's toxic? And I think his follow up was um, this for you, Banashid. Um, Prophet Muhammad وسلم, says that if the husband calls his wife, she needs to come. Um, oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, that was it. It was connected to my the my last statement. The last statement I made was dudes are running through dudes that I that are my age are just running through chicks. Like you know what I mean? Just like they gotta have something like every other night, or they saying whatever they want to just to get what they just to get have sex with them. That's a toxic. I'm not saying I'm nah, nah, nah. Yeah, you she she gonna get it if she married to you. She should get it. Uh, Re repeatedly, but she need to run though. When you tell her, oh, yeah. to she ain't no dog with a command. Hey, hey. sir. Hey, I tell you to come, but a come, girl. Uh, brother, not she. Oh, okay. sorry about that. So hey, we're sorry about that. To the next <laughs> okay, so the next question is: I told y'all I was going for a conversation. Um, what do you think of drive-by nikahs after Isha? <laughs> Should the imam perform them if it seems like the motive is sex, brother Sally? What you think? Short answer, long answer. <laughs> I love, I love the Double Cool Podcast family. Can I just stop? I don't feel like with it. It's happening in Philly. It's just happening in Philly. Nah, don't do that. Don't do that, Tiana. My short answer, yes. Long answer, no, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't know. Yeah. My short answer is yes. Why? I'm just thinking. They're driving by after each other. Where do you think they're already going after that? Might as well, might as well give them an out. <laughs> <laughs> well Work with them afterwards, whatever, like that. Maybe it's some hard feels, whatever, like that. But they're on their way to do something. So you might as well just help them out. <laughs> just help them out, my man. I, mean, I like that. I mean, what else you gonna do? You gonna sit them? You gonna sit them down in the masjid? It's just oh, you know, you should wait, or whatever, like that. And then they get back in the car together. And you watch them walk out together out the masjid. <laughs> I mean, but is that what we're promoting, though? You know, like, yeah. like not, we, no, you, no, Allah, so, no, no, no. But no, what I'm saying is, no, no. right. And I'm not saying that you're promoting, but what I'm saying, the religion. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala speaks to us and says to we are supposed to be a better example, right? And that you're supposed to control your nas, right? So a drive-through nikah, and then you really think that's going to be successful, and we're wondering why our divorce rates are high and why people think we're a joke. Like, that's not cute. Nothing about that is okay. And so if a child is produced out of that, 
I get all of that. No, I get all of that. But hell is hot, like he said. Hell is hot, and I'd rather be married. I'd rather be married than to than to not be married when I have sex. I mean, I mean yeah, either, of course. If the either or, if we're agreeing that the D is going to happen one way or the other, you go get if, it. If if we're doing that either or, no, I'm just saying if it's that either or, then yeah, I'm going to fall on the side of at least let them be married. At least a child is born in wedlock, and things could possibly be figured out within the context of marriage. If it's That's that so either it. or, but if it's but, not, then I'm I'm on what the other in terms of. But, I mean, you got to have these things cut. I'm so sorry. I, I'm just, I'm burning. But what I'm saying is, is, is it in a sense, in a sense, okay, since we're talking about prophetic masculinity, um, I, I get what we're saying, but in a sense, don't we really need to be pushing and driving, especially as we're raising mm -hmm. children, the idea of taskia, the idea of purification of self, because what does purification of self essentially do? You know, it, it, it buries the nuts, right? Those lower desires. It allows us oh, to wow. become a master of our own desires. So in a sense, I get what you're saying on just a, a basic level, you know, baseline level. And we want to deal with reality. We want to keep it real. But if we want to be solution oriented, um, or that we need to bring ourselves back as a community back to where we're constantly purifying ourselves, where we have the, the tools and the mechanisms where we are becoming masters of our own desires and they don't they don't own us because that drive by Nika there is, are you the master of your, or, or is it a master of you? So those are things that I think I, I would like to see those conversations driven more. And I also would like to see our brothers. I love you guys. Wallahi, I do. But I want to see you guys, you know, instead of giving pounds, you know what I mean? For the, you know, for, oh, I understand. I key, go ahead and get it. Like Brother Nasheed says, said, we, I want you guys to encourage that more, like encourage more of the idea of us becoming masters of those lower desires. I mean, am I just, am I painting a fairy tale world or am I, I mean, no, no. you're 100% you know, right. 100%. Okay. I know Absolutely. there was um, one of my, one of my co-teachers and mentors. I mean, he's a very, very big proponent in, in our black Muslim community, especially amongst black men. We need to, you need to have an older mentor. You need to have someone that you're close with. You need to have somebody that you could, Speak with, we need to gather with one another. We need to meet with one another. We need to have these close communities just amongst the men, these spaces that we can create for ourselves. I mean, yeah, just, you know, on the, the, the crude, you know, basic level, whatever like that, but there's levels to this. There's levels to that question that you asked too. Yeah. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, we do need that solution. So it's 1000%. We need to create that. Kind of, we, it goes down to families, right? It goes down to families and individuals within those families. What kind of bonds that we're creating between families? When we look at, if we look at, I mean, when you see how people will go to the prophets of Allah, go to him with anything, go to him for anything. You have a woman that was proposing to him in marriage. But then another companion comes up and then he's discussing with him about, oh, Yado said, love, you don't want her to marry her to me. But they have a conversation and they have a conversation on how to go forward with that marriage and what the dollar would be, and et cetera, such as that. They had that, the essence of it, they had that recourse to somebody to go to or somebody or a group of people, even, you know, we see in later generations. So, you know, at the end of the day, those solutions and these mechanisms that we talk about, I mean, it's nice to talk about in theory, but at the end of the day, what's what's the basis of how these solutions will work out? It's us getting out of our own way and us stop having such an isolationist kind of mindset when it comes to our families and actually really visit people, actually really 
go to the masjid, pray with your brothers in the masjid, and actually have conversations. Sisters, go to the masjid and have conversations with your sisters. Have conversations between one another. Nobody says you can't talk amongst one another. We have our we have our specifications on how that should be done and when it should be done and how it should be done. But those things need to happen within a community where that trust and that comfort can be created and people start to know one another. And so it's not just, you know, the all those African proverbs that randomly pop up online, whatever, like that it takes a village to raise a child. It really does though. It really does. Absolutely. Absolutely. It really does. And if we don't have that, we don't have that village right here in Black America. We don't have that anyway. That was taken from us. So, but we have to recreate it, especially us as Muslims, we have to recreate that. And you say, even if it's only individual communities, if you want to center out around a masjid, great. If you want to center around just a group of families that happen to so live in a certain area, whatever, or even online communities. But the point is, is to have a group of people that know one another and actually have that ability to trust one another and have that be able to confide in one another and be able to work out these solutions together and do what works for them. Some of these Absolutely. things, these jokes that were taken, they, they might not work in some other communities. They won't work in right. some other communities. But in some others, maybe there's some solutions that can be worked out. And so, sorry yeah. for your burning and no. everything like that. But we, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. We have, we have to end this podcast, but it's so many comments as like Sapan Love. Because even this one here, or Brother Bilal, we were saying marriage is the environment where sex is legal. How can that be bad? Or why should you stop yourself from feeling your desires in a halal way? I don't, I don't think we were saying that. Am I am I mistaken? Did I did I communicate that? I don't think we were saying that. Yeah, I think we were just talking about, yeah. you know, dr- right? Like just basing a, a decision solely off of our right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just think his his point about the community is what we really do need to focus on. Like really showing a better example for our children what community means and the importance of community and building family legacies, like breaking, like we spoke about all these chains of slavery in our mindset and really creating generational wealth and a legacy for our children. So they are not bind to the traps that so many of us have seen and that we really love our community and support our community and understand, like he said, it takes a village to raise a child. And we have to be more cognizant of that. What are we showing our children? Like, do you want your daughter to do a drive through Nikah? No, you don't want that for her. You're raising all, you're pouring all this love into her and teaching her about the religion. And that's how you want her to get married. You would not want right. that as a father. You know what I mean? So we have to take out, like you said, our individual thoughts and really begin to understand how our actions play a part long-term for the things that we're doing. And so that all sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good. Right, it sounds good. It sounds good, but when the knobs are, are bubbling, yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, some people are some people are in control of the knobs, and some people ain't. Right. You know what I mean? We, right. the Prophet Sallam. I mean, we, we know, but you know the story. Those the the Arabs drunk for 13, 14, You know what I'm saying? Like they was drinking alcohol. They still coming. It's it's going to take time. Like it's going to yes. take time. But you still need to know. But you still need to know the the guidelines of, of what you need to get to, you know what I'm saying? But it's going to take time to get there. That's what I feel. And I appreciate you saying that, brother. And um, we, we are going to segue um, out of this conversation. And we really just scratched the tip, 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 tip. We know that this is a, such a broad discussion. We're going to have a part two and then infusing a little bit of um, femininity and toxic femininity and what that looks like. Um, we appreciate the the robust dialogue, um, and and we saw the the contrast between our brothers and the sisters there, and and that's why we have these dialogues because again, there's so we lack so much understanding amongst ourselves. So like, 
I'm saying one thing and some of my dear brothers hear another thing. Brother Aki, you said one thing, the sisters, we heard something different. So that's just kind of something we've got to continue continuously work on amongst ourselves. Amongst, you know, we got we to gotta, we gotta be better when it comes to that. Alhamdulillah, it is Pusha 9.30. Um, thank you so much, my dear brothers. I just want to honor you, brothers. It takes so much. Do you know how difficult and how many um, times brothers to be like, no, they're not coming on the Dope Muslim Women podcast. They're not coming on here. So I really appreciate, brothers, for you taking the time out and coming and being willing to dialogue with us. I got a shirt that say Dope Muslim Woman. Like, I'm, hey. I'm in there, though. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, not this one. I got to get up on that merch. Yeah, I got me a shirt, so I'm rocking it, man. I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm rocking Rock it. Let's go. Inshallah. Mm -hmm. We appreciate both of you guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Ziada, for co-hosting. Thank you, Ziada. 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 Thank you, Comfortable. You're meant to disagree and agree with some things. That's that's why we have these conversations. But we're hoping that your aim and your intention is also to bridge and build mutual understanding so that we can become better, not just for ourselves, but for our children that are looking at us, that we don't be a people that are constantly at odds with our brothers or at odds with our sisters. We're one of the only sort of um, demographics of people that have this really serious epidemic within our communities. We want you guys to all be very intentional about doing something different so that our children have a better outcome for the future, inshallah. Jazakallah khairan, may Allah bless you. Please come back next Wednesday as we talk, we bring our women back to the table to talk about the silencing of black Muslim women. Um, and we will continue to have these dialogues about femininity and such next week, on next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh.